Good afternoon, and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grody, your host for this program, coming to you from the studios at the Coming Home Network International. And I'm joined today by my compatriot, Matt Swaim. How are you doing, Matt? Doing well. Thank you for having me back. You're, he's coming from D.C., and I'm he's coming from inside the Beltway, and I'm coming from outside the Beltway, right? Well, you know, I try and stay. I think I'm about a mile outside the Beltway, so oh. I'm... <laughs> I don't want to get too close because I don't want to get infected. So yeah, well, it's like it's like being really close to the sun or farther away from the sun. You're very close. I'm I'm a bit I'm in a, a much wider orbit. Yeah, close enough for it to be uh, dangerous, I suppose. So well, it's great to have you join me today, Matt. We're continuing in our series of uh, memorable verses. And our format is to, uh, Matt and I have come to the table with two of our favorite verses that are part of our uh, arsenal of verses that uh, we've memorized. And uh, But I don't know Matt's verse, he doesn't know mine, and so after I drop mine in the table and talk about it for a bit, and then he and I will then discuss it, then he'll he'll show me his verse and talk about it, we'll discuss it, and then we'll see, well, how do these fit together? in our walk with Jesus Christ. Why are these verses important? And maybe even together, even more so. But I need to tell you some backstory to this particular program, which is kind of funny. We, Matt and I joined each other a couple weeks ago to do an episode of the Deep in Scripture program, and I laid a verse on the table, waxed eloquently for it for a long period of time, and then Matt jumped in with both feet to talk about that. And then Matt shared his verse talked about it, uh, and then he and I discussed it. We spent an, an entire month discussing it that afternoon. And then after a long period of time, we put those two together, and they were the best two verses together that ever existed since the creation of, of, of the universe. And we were all ready to post that. And uh, what was the problem, Matt? Uh, I'm going to blame the robots, the okay. technology. But what happened? I, it's it's for some reason the audio didn't didn't work out the video didn't work out and and there you have it so whatever it was uh, our audience missed out greatly because that day I mean we were just hitting on all cylinders you won't believe how good of an episode it was but uh, now you'll never know it was so good I wanted to take notes on myself I know it I know it but anyway the point was we have the video but we don't have the audio so we thought well we could lip sync it <laughs> yeah it'd be a uh, be like a bad kung fu film. <laughs> so the question was, well, we could do it all over from scratch. But the problem with that is part of the the shtick, if you will, of the memorable verses is that we don't want to know each other verse before we come together. So we can't just do that over again and have the same thing. So we've come together with two different verses today. And maybe someday we'll go back to those after we've forgotten what the other person's first. Well, I probably have already anyway. But if I matter. if I do bring it back around, I'm not going to tell you in advance. How's Good. That? Uh, there we go. There we go. So, but in case whether you audience get the same out of this as my guests and I do, we thoroughly enjoy enjoy doing these episodes this way. I do, and uh, I look forward to Matt whenever you and I gather, because we bring different backgrounds. I come from a former Lutheran, Calvinist, Congregationalist, Evangelical, Charismatic, and uh, Matt, you come from more Wesleyan, Methodist background, and uh, and now we've been united in the church, so we appreciate that. Okay, here's my verse. 
And let me tell you a little backdrop to my verse. Um, the verse that I'm going to mention could easily fit into the old category of verses I never saw, because this was not a verse that I memorized before. Um, everything in, in this verse I'm going to share, I believed in before, and by grace tried to live it out. But I, like so many verses in Scripture that I took seriously but didn't, because I didn't quite catch the fact that it's far more serious than I've previously realized. And this particular verse is a couple verses before a section of Scripture that I guarantee everyone listening has heard many times before. Um, and it's from Philippians. And the section that we've heard a bazillion times in Philippians 2 is, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that is a great memory verse. I mean, that's one that we should talk about. And there are, are some commentators that say that it was an early hymn. Well, possibly. I just think St. Paul was a great poet anyway. So, But the point is that as powerful as that verse is, before it, it was as if this verses chapter 2, 5 through 11 I just read, is the illustration, the application of an earlier verse, which is the verse I want to focus on. And that's verse 3 of Philippians 2, in which Paul says, Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. That's the verse I want to share today. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Now, as long as I've been a Christian, I've known that this is the way we're supposed to live. We're not to do anything from selfishness or, or of course, or conceit. That's fairly obvious that those are wrong, that we need to grow beyond those. But the second part is, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Yes, again, we know put others first. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All We, we know all that. But there's this little phrase, and, and, and uh, Matt, you mentioned it beforehand, which you might get to in your verse and that is that sometimes there's a word in a sentence that you don't quite see. But the word in this sentence that I didn't quite take seriously before is the importance of humility. The importance of humility. I don't know if I ever preached on humility. I don't know if it was in all the years I was a pastor. I don't know if I ever emphasized that. I don't mean that I emphasized the opposite of arrogance. But... I never recognize 
not just the importance, but the essential nature of humility. There's a verse in Hebrews that was one of those verses I never saw that as a former Calvinist I didn't take importantly. And it says in Hebrews 12, verse 14, Strive for peace with all men and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And Matt, I know from your background that's a common one, holiness. Holiness unto the Lord is our watchword in song, right? But to, to grow in holiness and not humility is an oxymoron. You cannot grow in holiness without growing in humility. They're the foundation for holiness is humility. And in fact, that entire section that I read earlier in Philippians 2 for 5 through 11 about our Lord Jesus and his modeling and emptying himself and all of that was the fact that he in being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. The whole life of Christ, the incarnation of Christ, being born as a baby, being living in this world in our in our in the humidity of this world. In other words, the sweat and the toil and the tear, uh, the all that we experience, he experienced to the cross and death. That is the ultimate illustration, not so much of holiness, if you will, but of humility. And that is the expression of his holiness, the importance, absolute importance of humility. Now, the reason I, I'm bringing this up today, Matt, and then I'll, I'll turn it over for your thoughts in a moment, is I, I've got a, you know, I've been doing this, particular apostolate now for 25 years, and and I believe in it deeply, though I've gone through really struggles off and on over the last 10, 15 years about, you know, our, is, God, is the church still calling our separate brethren home to the church? And I really struggled with that, Be, not because I lost my commitment to that, but I don't hear it from the leadership. I I don't hear the hierarchy saying it anymore. I don't hear priests saying it anymore. And I don't see evidence of very many non-Catholics becoming Catholics. In fact, I see more evidence of Catholics becoming non-Catholics. You know, and there's just, you know, what, God, what are you doing? What are you, and, and so I've been under a spiritual attack in many ways. Uh, it may not show up on the journey home, but when, when we, when a, when a clergyman comes to us, because he's discovered the beauty of the Catholic Church, and he's wondering, should he come? Why should he become Catholic? Especially if he might lose his vocation, or his calling, or his occupation, or his wife didn't want him to convert, or in all these issues. And, and in the end, what do we tell him? And it struck me, and with all that in the background, it struck me the other morning. We have our morning prayer meeting with staff, which, since the staff is distributed all over the United States, we gather on online and we talk for 10 we prayer together and my son john mark who's who's my right hand man he's the coo of this organization his his job is i guess to carry out my wishes i mean that's basically what his job is you know in other words, i'm the boss and he's his job is to carry it out and he does a great job and he ended our prayer with the litany of humility now so there we are praying it and the litany of humility has been a favorite prayer of mine ever since I became Catholic. But I hadn't prayed it for a while. 
They kind of let it slide. And then there we are reading it. And the, I'll just, I won't read you the whole prayer, but is G, oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me. From the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. And as I was praying this with John Mark and the staff, I remembered something. It's almost like since the first time I prayed, the, the, the litany of humility in my life has been a mess. So it's almost as if as soon as I prayed that years ago, I invited the spiritual battle. I invited it. And what I found is the very things I was asking to be delivered from, I had grown to want. I mean, it's not that I want all those things I just said, but because I'm committed as I get older to passing the baton onto my staff and, and I committed to he must increase and I must decrease. What happens when you desire by grace to grow in humility, the spiritual battle comes back at you to say, wait a second, do you really want to let go of that stuff? Don't you miss being asked to go speak? Don't you miss? And so pretty soon it just escalates. But my point is this. I am so grateful that by God's mercy, I've become Catholic. Because before I was Catholic, I didn't know how important it is to grow in humility. I never heard of a litany of, of humility, and I never knew it was important. I heard of it, but I didn't realize how essential it is. And I would to this day, I would never have known how absolutely important and essential it is to grow in humility if by God's grace he hadn't brought me home to the church. Let me just add to that, Matt. Today is the feast of the Queen of Heaven. I'm grateful I'm Catholic because before I was Catholic, I never gave Our Lady a moment's notice. I never thought about Our Lady at Christmas. And I never realized until I became Catholic and read the early church fathers and read the history of the church and understood that the, that the reason we have our Lord Jesus is because God in his mercy chose that he would be incarnate in the womb of a virgin. And at the cross, he gave our lady to John as our mother. I never would have known that or how important that devotion is if I hadn't become Catholic. Thank you, Lord, that by the mercy of God, I'm home. Praise God. Your thoughts, my friend. Well, you got a couple hours? <laughs> my goodness. All right, so I will start, um, I'll start with the litany of humility. You mentioned that, that piece that you said about, uh, you know, these various things that you say, you know, Jesus delivering from all these desires. It's, it has three different sections. Yeah. Um, you know, it says, deliver me from these desires that are counter to humility. Then you uh, go into this other section um, where it, it's, you know, Jesus grant me the grace to desire these things that kind of foster humility. And then, you know, kind of go into the, the final thing, which is, you know, just sort of 
that others that others may be chosen and I set aside. And I set it aside that others may be praised and I go unnoticed. Um, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. The one that gets me every time is that uh, that others may become holier than I, provided <laughs> that I become as holy as I should. Um, but the one that I, I, I mean, the, the first time I was given the litany, humili- the litany of humility, I was uh, I'd gone to confession at St. Luke's. Catholic Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky, and a father of mercy was on the other side of the screen, and he heard my confession and handed me the litany of humility, and it has blown up my life ever since. Um, from the desire of being consulted, deliver me, O Jesus, from the desire of, uh, I mean, you're, you're asking me to deliver from desires, you're also del- asking to be delivered from fears, right, that are yeah. part of your pride. And uh, I will say this, uh, as you know, uh, I work for you. Yep. That's my day job. But every morning before I come in at the Coming Home Network, I do a radio show, the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. And my co-host, Anna Mitchell, and I you know, have been doing this for over a decade. And uh, every hour we start with some prayer, usually tied into the readings or tied into the feast day or what have you. Anna Mitchell has... Uh, unceremoniously banned me from ever praying the litany of humility on the air ever again because without fail every time I pray that prayer on the air just disaster strikes on live radio Um, either guests don't answer their phones or a CD player breaks or (laughs) it it just at any rate so there's that with the litany of humility Um, I too uh, didn't really get humility the way that I should kind of till I understood the Catholic perspective on suffering, um, which is a whole other conversation. I did hear humility preached about a lot, uh, in the holiness movement, primarily in the context of, uh, you are called to be holy. Um, you are called to abandon your life of sin. And if you think you can do this on your own, buddy, forget it. You have to be humble and accept the work of grace in your life. So in that sense, I already always heard about it preached. Uh, heard it preached about, but I didn't kind of get it kind of fully until I got the theology of suffering and understood really what it meant in a sacramental worldview to embrace the cross. Um, and that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But I I will say this: um, you may not have seen that section before. You know Paul's great hymn to Christ there in Philippians two, but when I was uh, in junior high and early high school as a Nazarene, I was a, uh, a Bible quizzer and we would tour around Northwest Ohio at the time doing these quiz meets. And one year we did the prison epistles. And so I basically memorized almost the entire book of Philippians, but I memorized it in the 1984 edition of the new international version. So the verse that you had, uh, Philippians two, three, I would have memorized it as, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Yeah. Um, I believe the version you had, what was the version that you had? Uh, the uh, Revised the, Standard uh, Version. RSV. How did that phrase that last? It was, um, uh, let me jump back to it here. It was, um, do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but yeah. in humility, count others better than yourselves. Count others better than yourself. Yeah, yeah. So we did consider, but uh, in our ours it said, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So um, I I think that you and I have talked about this off the air in numerous conversations before. Um, 
you know, working in Catholic media, there's this kind of dual thing that goes on with you. You you want to get out there and let as many people know about the beauty and truth that's available in the Catholic Church and call people, uh, you know, to 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 know Christ. Uh, but there's also that temptation to like, I got to get my name out. <laughs> you know, I got to. I gotta gotta make sure people know who I am. Um, it's a hard and, thing, and and yeah, Matt, you and I are both in the media. I, mean, I don't know about you, but it wasn't my ambition. It was an invitation. No. My mother and probably same thing for you. You know, she invites me to do the journey home, and I'd never even try. And you know, the way this verse also strikes me in a way that I didn't know it would five years ago, ten years ago, and had no idea twenty years, thirty years ago. Um is that when you're 67 and and you're passing the baton in many ways and considering passing it in more ways, in other words, of responsibility and... Um, As the baton has been passed by generation after generation before you. Right. And so I'm yeah. starting to understand something that people who are older, who've been in the public have been very public experience and maybe we don't always understand and that is that when you were you went through a time where you were consulted and all those long things and then you're no longer and and you it's it's what some people call a midlife crisis and your average person out there maybe the, how do they deal with the fact that they're no longer in that position your average person they go out there and buy a new car or they go out and do this and they get crazy and they go you know, or their lives fall apart. Don't or, you people know who I am, right? Yeah, yeah it's all that stuff, me. you know, when yeah. in fact, the very thing that's the best thing for us is this backing away. Is this is agreed. exactly right. And the hard thing that you were getting at, Matt, and that is, but but the opportunities we've been given to proclaim the goodness of the gospel involve getting out there. So how do we balance that? Right. Right. between having a program or not having a program or writing a book or not writing a book. And it's not about, the main thing is, the core is, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so trying to find that balance. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters who are in those tight situations. People don't realize the, the kind of temptation that's out there um, before it, this. It, it's, and it becomes the downfall. And there's not, we can, every one of us think about people who've been in the limelight, who started out in great service, and then in the end it fell. And it reminds me of a verse in Sirach 2, verse 1, that should be a verse we talk about, in which it says, my son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourselves for temptation. Hmm. And, you know, praise, we got to pray for anybody who's in this situation. Humility. Humility. When when we're called to imitate Jesus, it's humility. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, it's humility. I'm always uh, remembering James 3, uh, verse 1. James is what I will, I will, the, the episode we lost is from the book of James. That's one of those books That's I right. have right. I start to finish. Um, in James 3, very, uh, very first verse out of the gates, he says, uh, James says, not many of you should aspire to be teachers because you know that those who teach will be I think he says something like held to a higher standard or judged more uh, severely or something like that. If you're just, if you're going to be out there in the limelight, guess what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's going to come at you. Uh, but again, I mean, Paul is speaking to this as someone who has been a 
uh, he has been famous for being a persecutor, and then he's famous for being a preacher. Um, he's famous among the Christians for preaching the gospel. He's also famous among his enemies for raising up this group of believers who are not in step with the rest of Rome. So, I mean, he's got notoriety uh, like you wouldn't believe. So when he says uh, that humility is important, he's coming at this from not just some pulpit telling you what to do. He's saying, listen, guys, I know. Hey, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's yeah. Paul. That's Paul, when I am weak. Because as he says later in Philippians, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I could do all things in him that strengthens me. Not that I complain of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's Paul. Yeah. Growing in humility. The moment we think we've arrived in humility, we've taken a couple steps backwards. Yeah. Because uh, we're to grow. All right, Matt. What you got for you want, us today? You want my verse? I'm going to try not to tie these together to start. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is the hardest part about this pod, This podcast is that you want to, right from the beginning, tie the verse in. So I mentioned that I memorized almost all of the Bible that verses that I have memorized in the 1984 edition of the New International Version, which I think you can only get on eBay. I think they're on the 2011 version is the one that's in stores now. Uh, this one I actually have memorized in the King James Version, <laughs> uh, mostly because it's, you know, when it's on greeting cards and stitched into pillowcases and, uh, you know, crocheted into wall hangings, it's the King James Version that's out there. And this is, this, is also— are, You're not doing God helpeth those that helpeth themselves, are you? That's Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not the Bible, not the Bible, but uh, commonly thought of as being the Bible. But um, the other thing about this verse that, you know, before I jump into it, uh, I went to Asbury College, which is now Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. We were the Asbury Eagles, and this was our school verse, and that is Isaiah 40, 31. Okay, let me grab it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Me yeah, because you got to tell me the difference in the RSV. I don't think I know what it says in the RSV. Okay, Isaiah what? Forty thirty one. Isaiah forty thirty one. All right, I'm getting there. Got you. I am there. Okay. Right, I got it underlined. Hey, I got it underlined in mine, so oh, we're on the see? same page. I knew. I bet you. I bet you. Anybody who's got <laughs> underlining in their Bible has about half of them probably have this one underlined, and that is, uh, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk, and not faint. Yeah. Um, this is one that you we actually see it. post. Yeah, we uh, we we sang that one. Um, there was I can't even remember that uh, that wasn't an Andre Crouch, was it? Oh gosh, I can't remember who it was. Might have been a Maranatha. But yeah, there's a there's an old song that's yeah. Um, yeah. There's Those the uh, the I've seen this posted right. in locker rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen it posted in a number of different you know youth groups. Uh, you know, in their youth group hangout rooms on the wall. Uh, and it really speaks to a bunch of different things about the journey, which is that you need to wait upon the Lord because your strength is not going to come. I, as I was mentioning before, the, the sermons that I heard about humility and holiness were not, you got to summon this thing up in yourself. It's that you got to accept the grace to do it. You got to wait upon the Lord. And before we came on, I was telling you how I read this verse one way for about the first half of my life. And then I saw something and I can't remember who pointed it out. Um, but I, I started reading this verse completely differently at a certain point uh, because I realized that the verse is actually written backwards. Mm. 
And I didn't realize this until I probably I was in college, actually. Uh, normally, you think about you start off slow, you build up steam, and then you're at a full sprint. But that's not what this verse says. <laughs> this verse says, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You're soaring. They shall run and not grow weary. Now you're on the ground, but you're still moving at a decent clip. They shall walk and not grow faint. <laughs> and at the end, you're just walking. Um, and and that's kind of the way that the spiritual life often goes, as you and I were just, just discussing. Um, even if you look at the ministry of our Lord, um, he starts out, you know, at the beginning of his ministry, the, and, you know, he's at when John the Baptist, you know, baptizes him in the river. I mean, the heavens are open and the voice is coming down. But by Calvary, he's just plodding step by step up the hill. Um, I mean, that's just the way that it works a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that we we get the sense that we're going to start with baby steps and then we're going to be full sprint and hitting on all cylinders. But a lot of times the stuff that we get in the beginning that's the fire and the passion is meant to be there just so that we can have a sense of the fact that this is real so that when we're walking and not growing faint, we know that we're still on the right track. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the first I've read all my life yeah. and, and just started reading differently um, a couple decades. Probably. I Great verse. And just be sure a few things that come to my mind because that the word in that I've got, because like I said, I've got a, underlined and bracketed and in my Bible. But of that passage, the one word that I've highlighted and circled is the word wait. I knew it. <laughs> you know, that is I mean, the key to all of it. Yes. It, it, yeah, it really is. And and when you talked about the uh, the 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 journey of it, you know, that renew your strength and so you, you you're flying you're running then you're walking what it reminded me of is if you will again maybe it's because i always think of this as an old man again that uh, our long our life is like a, a, a running a race and when you're younger or if you're playing football and you're only on your own 10 yard line you got a long you got 90 yards to go your strategies are different because the end is a long way away, and you think you're never going to die, so you live your life, and you're energetic, you're going forth. But as life gets on and the, and the battles increase, you're tempted to give up. But imagine running a marathon, and, and you've run the 25.1 miles, and you only got, what is it, a ten, nine-tenths of a mile to go or whatever, 26 miles. And you're ready to give up, and you're dying, and you're struggling, you're crawling, you're, you're, you know, and you're ready. And the point is, you don't give up. You're almost there. That's why in Revelation chapter two, when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, almost every time he says, "It's to those who conquer, to those who abide, who remain, who continue, who persevere." That's what your verse reminds me of. It reminds me of Philippians 3 when he says, you know, I press on. I've not already obtained this. I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And so the waiting, which Jesus uses a lot when he talks about his second coming, and we're in that time, we're in that difficult time. He's, he's talking about watch and wait, 
Watch and wait. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Watch and wait. It's that, it's the, it's that tension of how do you live every day as if it's your last for 30 years? How do you do that? The church has been, you know, <laughs> heard that Jesus is coming back soon for 2,000 years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so how do you give up thinking that and live like, uh, like you know, you know there's, you, I grew up a, a Beatle fan during the 60s, and, you know, the, most people think the worst, well, they don't. most people don't think, but they ought to think that one of the worst songs the Beatles ever wrote was Imagine There's No Heaven. When you listen to the words of that song, it's a great tune. You're singing it all the time, but but yet it's t- completely contrary to their Catholic faith, Christian faith. And imagine there's no heaven. Imagine that, you know it's no. Excuse me, I don't want that. But there's another song that's the Beatles that I think is one of their worst songs, but we sing it all the time. And it's that hey, everything's getting better. It's getting better all the time. Ain't hey, na, 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 getting better. That the the, the the teachers are setting these rules. They're not cool. I don't need that. Things are getting better. Excuse me. You look around you, you know, it ain't getting better because there are people that on the one hand don't think there's a God, and on the other hand, there are even Jesuits that don't think they're a devil. You know, we're living in difficult times, and the waiting— it's not getting better because too many people listen to the Beatles. <laughs> Well, you're an old Wesleyan, so the <laughs> but waiting waiting doesn't doesn't just mean sitting on a on a bus stop. It, there's an activity involved. That's why your verse talked about waiting involves flying and running and walking. Yeah, waiting involves building strength. Yeah, right. I mean, well, you, you use the analogy of of uh, you know football. You play one day a week. You're waiting for six days, but you're not sitting around. That's right. No, you're doing conditioning, you're doing strength drills, you're doing calisthenics, uh, you're running the playbook. Yeah. You're waiting, but you're not just sitting there. Yeah. You know. I mean, think of a guy who's because as you know, every analogy can be brought back to baseball. Think about a guy who's getting <laughs> up there to the plate and he's waiting on his pitch. But he's not just sitting there. You know, he's coiled because the pitch is going to get there. In the meantime, you know, he may have to foul off like 30, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're waiting, you know, but you're not just. Or the I, guy in right field has gotten bored because there hasn't been a shot into his field for the last six innings. And so you pretty soon you're just not paying attention. You're out there, you know, counting butterflies and all that. And then there comes the fly. Then, then it's yours. Of course, you know, anybody who's had kids who play baseball has seen this happen. So, <laughs> Well, I've been uh, there and done that, so. <laughs> Yeah. All right, my friend, how do these two verses fit together? Because, I mean, you tied them together right there at the beginning. <laughs> you know, you talk about that humility and how much of that humility has to do with patience. Uh, to, to, to know when it's time for you to step back and let somebody else take the glory because it's not your time yet. Uh, this goes back to the baseball analogy as well. There's a guy who's a pinch hitter on the bench who may get one at bat this game and he doesn't know which pitcher he's going to be up against, you know, he just knows that he's going to, at some point his role is going to be required and he's got to be ready. He's got to wait upon the Lord, but that doesn't mean that he can like relax or or pretend like nothing's going to happen. He needs to know that at a certain point that right now he must consider others better than himself. You know, he doesn't need to say, 
I got to start. I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, I got to wait for when it's my time for the Lord to, I mean, we talk about this all the time in the ministry of the coming home network from these yeah. people who come into the church from ministry positions, uh, whether they're ordained ministers who run in a church, five, 600, 700 people, whether they're music ministers, whether they work at a pro-life pregnancy center at an evangelical church, whether they're professors, whatever it happens to be. And they're used to being the person who runs the room. Yeah. Right. And they come into the church and they're, nobody on a back pew, yeah. uh, you know, and, 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 and figuring this whole thing out about hey, what does it mean to, to wait upon the Lord, to hear his voice and, and realize, you know, those gifts weren't given to you in vain, but you can't just walk in and take charge of the room and act like you own the place. Uh, you got to wait upon the Lord, renew that strength, uh, you know, and, and don't do this stuff out of, selfish yep. ambition and vain conceit and push yourself into the spotlight, wait upon the Lord. I mean, that's hard to hear. Uh, and I know it because I've had to hear it. And there've been people who are kind and holy and wise who sat me down and told it to me when I didn't want to be told it, but it's, it's truth and it's powerful. You know, there's, as you mentioned our work, um, one of the parables that we often use and pass along to especially clergy or others on the journey who will possibly have to set aside their vocation, their occupation for a time. All of it. And maybe for the rest of their life. The parable that we most often recommend is from Luke 14, uh, the parable of the marriage feast. And our Lord said, um, when you are invited by anyone to a marriage feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest a more eminent man than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, hey, give place to this man, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher, when you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. And then here's the punchline. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I see both our verses coming together because humility, especially when someone comes in the church, you take, be willing to take the lower seat and then wait. Mm. You'd be willing to take the lower seat knowing that you're doing this out of obedience to the Lord, and then you wait on him until you're invited. And in the process, you don't just sit there in the back pew, but you use your gifts, you you reach out for others, you put others first, you look for ways to serve others. That's the verse that I shared. You think about the needs of others. Don't spend all your time, oh, oh, oh worrisome me, you know, what about me? No, it's about others. And then you're waiting until the timing is right for the Lord. And if the Lord never does, it's up to him. From yeah. the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. There you go. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. I mean, you see why Annie doesn't let me pray this on the radio anymore. <laughs> my goodness. Oh, this has been fun, my friend. And those of you listening, I hope this has been a word of encouragement to you. Uh, Matt, you want to close with any just thoughts about our work, just to remind the audience? Sure. Um, of course, this Memorable Verses series of, of Deep in Scripture has been going for a number of weeks now, and you can check that all out at deepinscripture.com as well as uh, other 
series that we've done. And of course, if you go to chnetwork.org, uh, there are over a thousand conversion stories on the site. And if you click connect, I really encourage people to do that because we've got that online community where you can plug into a social network that is created and curated by us, full of nothing but converts and people on the journey supporting and encouraging one another. So chnetwork.org, come say hello. All right. Thank you, Matt. And thank all of you for listening. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. God bless you. Be with you again next week. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.